0: Hello and welcome to The Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as insight and analysis of the beautiful game. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane, back again as an inadequate substitute. For Mister Ian McGarry, who's taking a well-earned break, but with me as usual is the transfer guru, the Monkey Master himself, Mister Duncan Castles. Hello. I thought I would get a more elaborate response to you being called the Monkey Master, Duncan. Surely that that was worth a giggle, at least. <laughs>
1: it was. Um, it was treated with the respect it deserved. I think is the, the way to to uh, sum that up. The listeners love this chemistry. You can't you can't put a
0: price on it, Duncan. It's electric.
1: Let's get going with uh, talking (laughs) about the adequate replacements or inadequate replacements in the Premier League and elsewhere.
0: Absolutely. You've got that spot on. So we'll move on to North London and Spurs, Duncan. They are looking at a winger, a very talented winger from Holland.
1: Yeah, they, they have uh, kicked themselves into action in the transfer market and put serious money down on the table for a player at last. Um, Steven Bergwin, the PSV Eindhoven Dutch international and forward, who has caused, um, I think you could say a bit of a stushy in, in the Netherlands by... Uh, disappearing from PSV's team for their match against 20 at the weekend and appearing in London to uh, discuss terms and and uh, take a medical for, with Tottenham and uh, his manager made comments after the match that suggested that uh, Bergwijn had done this without the club's permission Bergwijn today has gone on his social media account and said that this was incorrect and that he had called um, PSV's manager told him the situation and had been allowed to go to London with his blessing um, the latter interpretation does seem more accurate from what I'm hearing because it does seem that that deal is very much in place, uh, Tottenham have offered 30 million euros for the player uh, and PSV Eindhoven, uh, while they may try and get some more out of the deal, and there, there are noises that they'll try and get some more out of the deal, it's headed in the direction where Tottenham will get their player. Is this the Harry Kane replacement? This is the big question, because uh, Bergwijn, he, he's plays predominantly off the left wing, but he has been playing centre-forward for PSV in recent games. He's... He's no Harry Kane. He's scored six goals uh, this season, 13 assists. He can play anywhere across the attack um, and you can use him in in emergency circumstances as centre forward, but people who know him well say that's going to be a compromise solution for Tottenham if that's the one that's forced upon Mourinho for the rest of the season. Um, he's, He's a player who Tottenham have been chasing for some length of time so he's been on the the Daniel Levy um, recruitment list for a while Um, and it seems that Tottenham have accelerated their interest in him because of the the shortfalls they have in attack at the moment. I can tell you they have been uh, negotiating with Real Sociedad and continued to negotiate with Real Sociedad for the full transfer of um, William Jose, the centre forward, Brazilian centre forward, we talked about in Friday's podcast. Now he would be um, an aerial um, sort of reference point centre forward who you you know that Mourinho likes to have in his squad and at least have as a tactical option coming off the bench or or using against uh, certain opponents. Um, what I'm told is that uh, Tottenham have offered a cash sum. A um, significant cash sum for William Jose, that the, the, it would be structured in the form of a loan, but with an obligatory um, option to buy. So pretty similar to what they did with Giovanni Lo Celso in the summer, um, and the, the, the loan uh, element would be more about the scheduling of the payments. So they they have stepped up their interest, or they had stepped up their interest in William Jose to the point where in, instead of it just being a purchase with an option to buy and, and essentially bringing someone in who could fill in for several months. It was um, shaping up to be a long term signing. I think it will tell us quite a lot about the degree of support that Daniel Levy's prepared to give Josie Mourinho as to whether they go through with that uh, William and Jose transaction or move on to another um, more physically capable centre-forward to put into their team for the rest of the season. Um, Bergwin's very talented. He's a very technical player. He is physically strong. He's good on the ball. Um, But, as I say, not a classic centre-forward. Talking to people in Holland, they say, yeah, well-suited to the Premier League. The question mark they would have about him is that he has been something of a difficult personality during his time in the Dutch League and uh, perhaps not the easiest of individuals to man-manage.
0: Well, I, for one, am hoping that we get to see Jose Squirt uh, over the coming days. Moving across London now to Arsenal, Duncan, it's Pablo Mari of Flamengo, who is a defender. What's happening there? Will he sign for Mikel Arteta's men?
1: Yeah, this is this is an interesting one that arrived and caught, I think, Pretty much all of us by surprise when um, when Pablo Mari was filmed uh, arriving at Heathrow Airport at the weekend with Arsenal's technical director, Edu. Um, a deal has been put in place with Flamengo um, to take the player on loan with an option to buy in the summer. Uh, the valuation of that, I'm told, is €10 million. Euros. Um, it's an interesting... Acquisition because Pablo Mari was a one of the the city football group cadre of um, of buys that they they shifted around their various um, part ownership clubs and feeder clubs in Europe. So he played at Girona, um, NAC, Breda, and Deportivo La Coruña before being taken to Brazil last year by Jorge Jesus, their um, uh, Portuguese manager who came into Flamengo and immediately won the Brazilian Championship, won the Libertadores, so the South American uh, version of the Champions League, and uh, had a very good shot at stopping Liverpool from taking the Club World Cup recently. Um, He has done exceptionally well in Brazil um, and really um, embellished his status, which wasn't that high, as you can imagine, from the teams he was playing for in Europe before he left. Um, talked to someone who sort of monitored his career before moving to Brazil. And he said he always felt that he was a bit soft as a defender and he's quite surprised that Arsenal are taking him. Um, also had a word with um, with our Brazilian friend, Julio Gomez Filho, about how he's done at Flamengo. And he emphasises that he has been very good. But the interesting side to this is that the way Jorge Jesus succeeded in South America were to take Uh, what are pretty standard tactics in Europe and play with a high defensive line and squeeze the pitch um, and put quick defenders in there to allow him to do that. And that's sort of blown away the competition in Brazil, according to Julio. And uh, Pablo Mari was well suited to that because he had trained and and played that way for... uh, the period in his career, and uh, and became a very important player for Jesus, who I'm told is angry that um, Flamengo are allowing him to go for uh, for that uh, what he considers to be a, a relatively small fee. Julio's feeling is that he will do all right at Arsenal; he'd be an upgrade on Mustafi, for example, but he feels that the. He still has a lot of mistakes in him and the the advantage he had in Brazil of knowing how to play a high line um, will obviously not be of great advantage to him in Europe where so many teams play that way. You have to say Mikel Arteta obviously knows the player from his time um, coaching at Manchester City and um, and he's obviously buying a player that will, will fit his system. Um, He has gone back to Brazil and there's been some uh, debate as to whether that means the deal has fallen apart. Um, The the word is it hasn't fallen apart. Jesus is kicking up um, trouble over it and that the Flamengo fans are unhappy at what they feel is a a low price for a player who's been important to their success. And it follows Flamengo selling their best young talent, um, Renier Jesus, a uh, young Brazilian teenager to Real Madrid in this window for 30 million euros, which resulted in in the coach Jorge Jesus, no relation, uh, going on television and saying what was a, quite a remarkable statement for a for a manager of a club to make, which was you can't sell a player like Henne for 30 million euros. Flamengo doesn't know how to price their players at the true value and comparing it to his previous club, Benfica, where he said Benfica always managed to sell their players above the real value and Flamengo were doing the absolute opposite. So if you've, you know, it, we've all been quite amused at, at the at uh, the actions of some Premier League managers. I think Jose Mourinho would be the best example of here, putting pressure on their owners over transfers. But I don't think I've ever seen a, a manager go out and uh, after a club has sold one of their most important players, uh, questioning the the whole valuation uh, principle that the team have. So let's see if Mari gets um, completed. Um, obviously Arsenal trying to do something clever there. They have succeeded in the Brazilian market in the summer, taking Gabriel Martinelli, who's been a a regular scorer for them when he's in the team. And this looks like an attempt to do something. Um, similar which is get a player from the Brazilian market a relatively cheap price who will fit uh, the Arteta system and uh, and give them an upgrade on a defence that, that's certainly been struggling this season and I think in the Premier League at present they're on 34 goals conceded which is a high tally for a, for a team of, uh, of Arsenal's status.
0: Okay, staying with the Premier League, but moving on to a topic that we've been looking at in the transfer window for quite a long time, which is the transfer of Bruno Fernandes. Duncan, you have been very, very close to this story and you've brought uh, a lot of the developments to the fore. What's the absolute latest on this potential transfer?
1: Absolute latest, as in the phone calls I made before we started recording, is that Manchester United have increased their offer to 55 million euros from the 50 million euro guaranteed offer that they said they would not go above. Um, I'm told there are now discussions between the two clubs over bonus structure and um, United have been offering more achievable bonuses than they did with in addition to their initial 50 million euro offer. Sporting aren't happy with those as yet, I'm told. And there are, for example, Sporting are saying, you're now including bonuses based on Manchester United qualifying for the Champions League. Previous bonuses were based on Manchester United winning the Champions League, but they're now uh, including bonuses based on qualifying. But they're saying, well, look, last six seasons, um, you have qualified for the Champions League through league position just twice. So, we don't consider bonuses based on Champions League qualification to be um, easily attainable. So, we're, please think about restructuring those. Um, if you talk to the sporting side, there is a sense there that they feel a deal is, is there to be made. Um, if you talk to other people involved in the deal and ask them, will 55 million as a minimum be enough? to satisfy Sporting, the answer is possibly, but the bonuses will have to be more easily achievable. And there is a a recommendation to Sporting that they will definitely make more money for the player in the summer than that. They can guarantee a larger fee in the summer if they wait. So therefore, Sporting are gonna have to make a final decision on this. I'm hearing that Bruno is more on board with remaining until the summer, I've been told that Sporting have been talking to the player and saying to and trying to convince them that an offer of fifty-five an offer of fifty, the initial offer of fifty, is disrespectful to him as a player, and that um, if you compare that fee with the money Manchester United put down in the summer to buy a right back, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, and a centre back, Harry Maguire, um, the, the the offer undervalues. Um, Bruno is a player and therefore he should consider whether that's the club he definitely wants to go to. So this is extremely complex. A lot of factors in play. One which we've talked about is is, um, Bruno's personal agent, Miguel Pino, who um, a lot of people in the deal will say has caused the problems in the way that he has negotiated with various clubs and told them that sporting would sell for 50 million euros, has um, put out information to the press in Portugal in particular that was inaccurate. Um, I know that people at Sporting are angry with Pino and they do hold him responsible for the situation they're in at the moment and that they don't have an offer that satisfies their terms. Manchester United know that, that Sporting have financial issues and, and will need to sell the player at some point and have full intention to sell him up some point. As an example of that, Sporting have been trying to sell an alternative player, um, Marcos Acuna, Argentinian international, in their squad is basically the only other guy that they have that c- they can get a substantial fee for in this window. And that's been perceived as an attempt to get some money in now. They're asking 20 million euros for the player to allow them to wait until the summer to, uh, to get the be- a better offer from Bruno from another club. Um, they haven't been able to do that because Acuna doesn't have a European passport, which has prevented them moving to, for example, Olympic Lyonnais, who are interested in him, and because Acuna has refused an offer to go to Zenit St. Petersburg because he doesn't want to go to Russia and play there. So it is. it does remain very complicated. It does, in my view, remain open-ended. It does remain according to everyone I'm speaking to in the deal, open-ended. There is a confidence at Sporting's end that they're going to get the money they want. But Manchester United continue to brief that they won't pay more than their valuation. Um, we will see over the next few days whether that breaks, whether Manchester United, the pressure, and it is quite, it's becoming quite extreme pressure on them from their supporters to get something done in this window and to turn around a situation where you see you know, a, a large group of supporters going to their FA Cup tie and targeting Ed Woodward and targeting the Glazers um, and vocally criticising them. Um, whether Manchester United feel they can go through this window without adding someone to the squad and, and whether Manchester United feel they can go through this window without giving Ligon or Solskjaer more options to score goals, which is what Bruno Fernandes would definitely Provide. He has been the leading scorer from midfield in, in Europe and has been the leading scorer in Portugal and uh, is a man who will get goals even if your team isn't set up particularly well to, to beat certain opponents, which has been Manchester United's problem because he shoots a lot. He take, he takes on, um, shots that other players wouldn't and he gets a percentage of them in the net. So you could see how he would improve things for Solskjaer, Manchester United. Question remains, as it has done throughout this window, can the two clubs finally come to an agreement on the fee?
0: The other transfer that's been bubbling away is that of Jude Bellingham from Birmingham to Manchester United. Uh, A fee of £25 million was reported by your good self in the daily records. Where are we with that? Because it seems like it's been a few days since that first broke and we aren't any further forward.
1: See, we are further forward. They, there are other, multiple other offers for Bellingham. Um, clubs, I'm told, who have made offers now include Aston Villa, Leicester City, Chelsea, Everton, and one foreign club. Um, I know Borussia Dortmund are very interested in the player. Um, Arsenal also extremely interested in the player. Birmingham City, as we reported in the record and on the podcast, are ready to sell if their valuation is met um, and if they're allowed to retain the player for 18 months as part of that deal. What I have is that Bellingham and his father have yet to be convinced that Manchester United is the right place to go. But that Manchester United are continuing to work on that and hope to be able to persuade the player that this is the right move for him to um, commit himself to moving to Manchester United in 18 months' time. Um, and that Manchester United's bid remains the largest bid financially. So they they clearly have a, a lot of faith in their scouts, and that they feel that Bellingham is a player that they have to secure, and they have to get ahead of European opponents to to bring someone in who a lot of scouts are telling me is an exceptional talent. And they don't, you know, I've had a couple of people say that twenty five million is a fair valuation. Um, so they will continue to try on this. Uh, I think the, the problem they have is convincing the player that they're the right place to go. And the problem they could have is if another team which is more attractive to Bellingham uh, comes in uh, before the end of the window and says matches or better Manchester United offer and, uh, and gives uh, the player and his father a development path that they're happier with going forward.
0: Perhaps only or Solskjaer in discussions would point to being able to go to Merseyside and thrash aside side 6 0.
1: Well, it was an interesting, interesting game that an interesting team that uh, Solskjaer put out against Trammere, playing a, an almost uh, full strength side against a, a League One team who I think had won just two of the preceding 11 games and are currently third bottom in League One. But given that he, he put a such a, a strong side out. Um, you would imagine uh, Solskjaer's point of view was that uh, he was uh, showing uh, respect to the great strides that Tranmere have uh, made in, in recent weeks, just as Manchester City showed respect to uh, Manchester United by putting out an near full-strength side uh, in the uh, League Cup uh, semi-final first leg in which they uh, also won very convincingly.
0: I have to see. Uh, snark aside, Harry, Harry Maguire's goal was terrific, wasn't it? It
1: was good. They, 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 I mean, uh, they handled the game well. It was a difficult pitch. Um, Trammeyer had a few opportunities early on. Uh, and then it kind of reminded me a bit of the Cardiff City game that that Solskjaer started with in that uh, the first uh, three or four shots that Manchester United had all went into the net. Um, and uh, some very good ones. I think... Personally, I think Diogo Delo's goal was the, the pick of those um, early finishes for Manchester United. But they dispatched that tie uh, in a very convincing fashion on uh, on what could have been a, a really difficult pitch. And, and having put that strong, respectful side out, if they hadn't done, that would have uh, added a lot of additional pressure to Solskjaer, who's now in the next round of the FA Cup and, uh, and still alive in that you know, the one competition that certainly is his most realistic chance of winning silverware um, as Manchester United manager.
0: Yannick Carrasco is a player that we've discussed in the transfer window before when he was at Atletico Madrid. There were discussions about him potentially coming to the Premier League. He moved to China, Duncan. But now it seems in this window, he could actually fulfill his opportunities to arrive on English soil and play in our top league here.
1: He's trying to get back. That's what's interesting about this um, potential transfer. He's been in China for two years. He's at Dalian. Dalian don't want to lose him. Um, He's extremely well paid over there. I'm told he's on on a salary of 10 million euros net in China. Um, and I'm also told that he's prepared to take a pay cut uh, to get back into European football. A couple of reasons for this. His wife um, is setting up a business in Belgium and uh, he and the family want to be back in Europe. Also, you've got the European Championship coming up. If you look at um Carrasco's, international appearances for Belgium. He's played 41 times for the national team, which gives you an indication of his quality because you don't get into Belgium's national side as a forward without being highly regarded. Um, He started three other World Cup games, but in the European Championship qualifiers, he he was started just twice. And I I think that gives you an indication of why he wants to get back into Europe for the, the second half of the season. He wants to be in the shop window if you like, for Roberto Martinez. He wants to show him the level he can perform in the Premier League and get his starting place back for a European Championship where Belgium are going to be one of the favourites to uh, to win that trophy. From the Crystal Palace side, I think it's interesting because Palace do not have a lot of money to play with. Um, what you're looking at here, what they're trying to, to put in place is a loan deal with an option to buy. I think they're going to need Carrasco to force... Uh, Dalian's hand and make it clear to them that he, he will not come back um, for them to get that deal through but, they, but Carrasco plays predominantly as a left winger so he actually plays the same position as Wilfred Zaha we know Zaha wants out at Crystal Palace we know that um, a number of agents as we we told you on the transfer podcast i have had mandates to move him in this window one of the most prominent of those being Pini Zahavi um, we know he's being pushed to Chelsea and there is um, interest from Chelsea's hierarchy in, in taking him um, my information is that Palace want to hold on to Zaha for the rest of the season for understandable reasons because he is the the centre point of their attack but I think they are um savvy enough to realise that that the pressure from the player's side to uh, obtain a move is such that if one of those big clubs who can afford to pay a proper transfer fee for him, and and Palace have been asking £80 million or more for the player and can uh, afford to push his wages to a level of about £200,000 a week, um, do come in with an offer. It's going to be very hard for them to retain him. So what they are doing here, is giving themselves a a degree of insurance in that they they would have another player in the squad uh, with the ability to operate in a similar fashion to Zaha and create and score goals for them from the left wing. I mean, the the line is that they they want two attacking talents of his type um, in their squad and and the plan is is to have both of those for the rest of the season. Um, But I think there's a clear connection to Zaha here And if and when they get Carrasco in this window, it will change the picture somewhat for how um, Zaha's future pans out, either in the remainder of this window or in the summer.
0: Inter Milan have been doing a lot of business so far in this window, and it looks like Christian Eriksen is going to be the latest guy to sign on the dotted line for Antonio Conte there. Could that mean that Matthias Ficino, the Uruguayan midfielder, could be on his way to a Premier League club? We know there's been several links, not least with Manchester United.
1: Yeah, Erickson's in Milan today to uh, finish up that deal, take the medical and, and, uh, and sign for Inter after they agreed um, to pay what I understand to be a fee of 20 million euros to Tottenham for the player. So they they've basically satisfied Daniel Levy's demands and allowed Levy to get some cash in for Ericsson, who was going to leave in a, on a free in the summer. Um, Vicino, I'm told, Antonio Conte does not want to lose. Um, there were some reports that Manchester United had made a loan offer for them. and told those are incorrect and were incorrect and there was no offer from United for the player as a... It, was being presented as an alternative to Bruno Fernandes. What is the case is that Carlo Ancelotti would like Vecino um, at Everton to bolster his midfield. Um, and I think he does have the possibility of getting that deal through if he can match Inter's financial terms. The, the guidance I have from Italy is that Inter will sell if Everton put up a large enough fee for the player. Um, where that leaves Antonio Conte is more complex because as we've told you throughout this window Conte has been putting pressure on Inter to bolster up the squad as much as possible and that's why we've seen Ashley Young go there forcing his way out of Manchester United Victor Moses going there and alone to buy been trying to get Olivier Giroud been trying to get Nemanja Matic Um, and Conte's position has been I don't have enough players at present Vicino's one he uses Um, quite a lot in the first half of the season Um, so he doesn't want to lose the player um, which obviously suggests that Everton are going to find uh, themselves having to pay a significant fee if they want to satisfy Carlo Ancelotti who remember was promised when he took that job that funds would be made available for him uh, to improve the squad uh, for the second half of the season and next summer at a club which has Very severe um, financial pressures on them at present.
0: Okay, it's time now for the Heroes and Villains round. We always do on a Monday. I'm looking forward to it, Duncan, because I've got a name that might surprise you. And that is Jurgen Klopp for my villain. Can you believe it?
1: Have you renounced the faith? <laughs> you decided that you decided that winning winning a winning the winning the Premier League is too easy for you. And as a as a supporter of a team that in Scotland that doesn't win titles anymore, that you you have to divest yourself of your Liverpool um, support. That's entirely cruel.
0: That's a low blow.
1: Um, I'll not mention when
0: Dundee United last won the Scottish Championship. I believe it was sometime in the eighties, probably before I was born.
1: 1983. I was there in the stadium. <laughs> And the finest day in Scottish football history. One of the best goals ever scored to, to win a Scottish title.
0: Was that the lovely chip by, by one winger? Talented young man yes. by the name of... Ralph Milne. That's the guy. Lest bore our listeners, I will uh, tell them why Jurgen Klopp is indeed my villain. It's because I'm not a fan of his stance on the FA Cup replay. Um, it's going to take place when the Premier League clubs are supposed to be away on their winter break. and Klopp says if the FA don't want to take into account the fact there's a winter break, if they don't respect that, then I shouldn't respect it. And What he's going to do, he's going to leave his under-23 coach to take charge of their replay against Shrewsbury and he's going to go off with his players. I just think that is out of order. Neil Critchley, I'm sure, can, can do the job quite well, but I think... Klopp, if he was there, would inspire those youngsters. It would give them an opportunity to to work with them uh, face-to-face in a match environment. And that would be absolutely beneficial for those players. And I I do think that it does bring into um, question the integrity of the competition a little bit of the FA Cup, which is a world-renowned tournament um, that has suffered a little bit because of instances like this over the last few years. And I think Jürgen has called this one absolutely wrong. If he's going to play his young players, by all means, let your established stars go off on their break and recuperate and recover. But Jürgen, get yourself in that dugout.
1: I I think, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I can understand Klopp's position on the, the first winter break the Premier League has being shortened by these FA Cup replays. Um, I think there's a consensus uh, building that FA Cup replays need to go because there are too many games in the, in the fixture schedule. They need to go. The double-legged semi-finals of the League Cup need to go. Some people would argue the League Cup in total needs to go. Um, Liverpool lose. The, their break gets shortened by 14 days to 11 days because of the, the replay with Shrewsbury. Um, I, I, think, I think Klopp is making... A valid point that it's unfair that they have to play another game. Um, I think he's within his rights to put the youngsters out for that game and take all of his first team players out of it. They've, they've already shown that their um, the reserve squad or, or the majority of the reserve squad are capable of uh, performing well in these matches. So he's not absolutely conceding the FA Cup, and uh, and it would be quite an achievement if they get through to the next round, playing uh, their under twenty three squad. In this match, but I don't understand why Klopp himself can't manage. Um, I don't understand why he needs to take a two-week break and why he can't uh, be there in the stadium and organise the game and work with those players at some level. Um, I think he has gone uh, a step too far with this one, as you suggest, and I think. Um, Heroes of the week um, will have to be Shrewsbury Town for um, for the achievement in, in coming back from two goals down against, OK, a weakened Liverpool side, but still a side with plenty of um, top-quality players in to get to 2-2. Two, two and, a, and, a, and a point in that match looked like they might even... Uh, managed to to knock them out, which you wonder you wonder, given what Klopp has said afterwards, whether that he would be um, all that unhappy if they'd been knocked out the Shrewsbury game and able to concentrate resources on retaining the Champions League title. And uh, what seems to become increasingly important for Liverpool is not just winning the Premier League, because going further in the in the FA Cup or not is going to make no difference to them winning the Premier League now, but setting up a, a number of records. Um, in the process of winning that, and uh, that—that's interesting to me—that they—they they seem to be prioritising record making in the Premier League over the opportunity, um, which you, they seriously have of winning a, um, a treble uh, of European Cup, Premier League, and FA Cup, which would match the achievement we were talking about in the last podcast of um, of the the famous Manchester United side.
0: Yes, the the quest for greatness does strange things to men's minds, but I suppose that's a a subject of literature over uh, hundreds of years, so it's nothing particularly new there. Now, Duncan, I'm going to have to call it a day there due to lack of time, but we will be back on Thursday, not Wednesday this week, because it is indeed the week that the transfer window shuts, and we are looking to give you a bumper episode on Thursday when we've gathered all the information the day before the window shuts. So uh, with that in mind, uh, you can obviously continue the debate with us. Until then, uh, I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can get Duncan at Duncan Castles. And of course, uh, Ian McGarry, you can get a hold of at Garbo SJ. Um, you can also, if you really enjoy the podcast, and we know thousands of you do, go on to iTunes and give us a five-star review as that helps get this podcast to as many listeners as possible. Until next time.